welcome to a radical discussion of independence, free will, liberty, and the left-hand path. This is Demonosophy 2.0 with your host, Paul Frederick. Looks like we're going. Looks like we're live. Right, right on. Jessica Hall. Hello. Welcome to the welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So um Jessica Hall, so everyone knows, recently made a short documentary film called Left Hand Path, which won first prize in its category at the International Hermetic Film Festival in Venice. 2017 and this is the first time that uh jessica and i have spoken before really and the reason we're talking is because we had a mutual friend uh, named uh, james kirby who was also the subject of this film am i am i right so far oh you're you're yes of course spot on all right good deal spot on good deal so um I know some people listening to my show will uh, know who James Kirby is and already have a have a perspective on that and maybe even seen the film. So why don't we um, why don't we back up and maybe you could tell me how you first came to know James Kirby? Well, back in the '90s, James um, oh. owned and operated one of the largest um, in Western Canada, I think, possibly even in Canada, the largest um, occult bookstores, and it was in this alley behind Main Street in Whitehorse, Yukon, so northern Canada, uh-huh. a strange place. And I used to go there with my sister. And um, he shared a space with um, with an apothecary called Pure Essence, and uh, it was quite fun, you know, as teenage girls, to go in and pick up the witch's almanac and get candles and incense. But um, James was great because he he treated us like we were equals like we were adults and it was really unusual for teenagers to get that at the time anyway I was always like blown away that this you know very important businessman would talk to me and explain things I could ask the most what I'd think is the stupidest question and he'd make me feel okay about it and you know and he'd spend time with us even though we didn't spend that much money at his store so I was thanking for that that he always give us the the time we needed and we always left feeling good about ourselves and so, um, so that's how I got to know James originally. Well, that's, um, a, that's, that's intense because I remember hearing about like this bookstore. I mean, that, that, that whole bookstore thing that he did is, is kind of legendary now. So it's really, it's interesting for me to talk to someone who, oh, you, you were a part of that. You're a part of that whole thing and saw it all happen. What's really interesting is the amount of people who have the same kind of story I have that, after I screened the film, you know, James passed on and, and I had a bunch of people in the White Horse screening come up and tell me, oh, well, I got this book there and he ta- taught me about this and he sent me on this direction and that direction. And they're all from different walks of life, different religious backgrounds, different. Some of them were into magic stuff. Some of them weren't. But they all had the same kind of story about James and how he made them feel and how, you know, how that, that bookstore really helped them find something in their lives. So that was really Pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's a true nineties story. Yeah. So um so you met him in the nineties and so um 
were you uh, friends? Did you maintain contact with them throughout, you know, all that time period over over the decades? Well, you know, um, you know, you're, I was a teenager at the time, so a couple of years he moved away. Okay. Um, and when he moved away, I ended up meeting this woman who later on became his, um, his partner, his uh, final partner, and she was actually a friend of mine. And so when she came, when they both decided to move back to Whitehorse, they met outside of Whitehorse, and they both decided to move back to Whitehorse, she's like, this is the guy I'm dating, and it's like, oh my God, it's James. So that's kind of fun how, you know, it's a small, it's a small world here in Whitehorse, but the fact that two people from Whitehorse would find each other in a big city um, and then come back and they were both, um, they both were connected to me it was from the same time frame. It's kind of neat because I met her the same year I met James, but they didn't meet each other in Whitehorse. So. Wow. So that's, yeah. No, that's amazing too, because I know Whitehorse, I mean, how big of a town is, what's the population of Whitehorse? Well, at the time, back then, it was like 24, 25,000. It's now almost 30, I think. I could okay. be wrong, but it's roughly around there, 30,000. So it's not big at all. It's it's amazing because I've met so many people from Whitehorse since, well, you know, over the last couple of years. Um, and, and all of it's because all of it goes back to James Kirby, of course. So it's really interesting. It's like kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of shined a little... A little glitter of stardom on this one little one one little town is like yeah. achieving a, a certain sort of uh, I guess uh, underground sinister kind of um, notoriety. Well, I wouldn't actually call it sinister necessarily, <laughs> but definitely a different type of notoriety for sure. You know, um, definitely off the off the main path, definitely on a different path. So right. yeah. And I mean sinister in the sense of, uh, I mean sinister in the sense of left-hand path, sort of uh, underground. Um, yeah, I guess. Than anything yeah. nefarious. But um, okay, yeah. so you you knew James Kirby over the years, and you stayed in touch and or reconnected. Um, how how does the film thing come into it? Are you a, a filmmaker uh, by trade? Um, yeah, I mean I've been I've been making films for many years. So sometimes I work, you know, in the field uh, doing promotional or. Um, you know, paid kind of gigs, and sometimes I make my own stuff. So it all depends. It's a small community here, so you can't necessarily do it full time. But you know, I've managed to do it quite quite a lot in the last little bit. But I was actually working on a documentary um, as a researcher, a documentary out of Toronto as a researcher, and um, the they were looking for people who were eccentric. That was the description I was given, and so I. Ask Claire if James would be offended if I asked him if he would be, consider um, me asking questions for this documentary to potentially be a subject, and uh, and she said no, he'd be delighted. And so I called him up and and uh, he uh, invited me over and uh, we did this uh, hour-long interview and he toured me around the space, which is this, kind of the final home he had built, um, and because uh, he had this other space downtown Whitehorse, which is awesome. Um, but anyway, this is a little bit later and. Um, and then, yeah, so he said yes, and I did it. I sent the um, interview to uh, the director, and the director loved James. He thought, oh, my God, James is so personable, so amazing on film, except he's way too rational for our project. Um, so that was that. I always thought that was really funny that, um, you know, because at the time I had my own perceived bias on things. Um, and then I sat down and talked to James, and I'm like, wait, he might not be right for this. And then the director's like, no, he's not, because... What he's talking about is, you know, 
is rational. It's not on the level that they were looking at for that project for that. Uh, and I think it ended up having like really strange people, like a guy who thought he was a mermaid and things like that. So yeah, James was not ready for that project, but he liked the experience of being interviewed and he really wanted to um, tell his story. He really wanted to kind of, in a sense, out himself to the, to the, to the world as a setian and and so I always had that in the back of my mind that James was interested in doing a project together and so um, so a few years later um, there was a competition our local film festival had a competition with a really really big price pot um, for pitching so I decided to uh, pitch the story that uh, pitch a documentary about James um, with his permission, of course, and so I did that, and I was really afraid of public speaking at the time, um, and it was my, like, New Year's resolution to speak in public once that year, and so I thought, this is it, I'll do that, then it's off my list, and I'm done, um, but then I won, so I got all the funding I needed to make this film, and uh, then we moved forward, and we made the film, so that was pretty awesome. Wow, so, okay, so... There was a, a previous, so a, a pre, previously then before your film, you'd pitched it to another director and they passed no. on it? No. What? No, I was hired to find people for this director for a project that he was doing. Okay, gotcha. So to do, and I just pitched James as a potential person, but okay. he was passed because the director was actually like, I actually believe in almost everything he's talking about. Like, that's kind of long, so he might actually you know, belong to the community without, you know, I have no idea. He never really expanded on that. But, um, but yeah, so, so that's where I actually started thinking about what it meant, what, you know, to be eccentric, what that meant, but also what James was about, what he, his, um, his philosophy was, what his practice was, and really started to try and understand it because I didn't really understand it beforehand. Um, and that's the thing, like knowledge is, knowledge is power. And, uh, it just took me a while to kind of get through and go, oh, that's what that is. It's not this, it's that. and It's not as scary as I thought it was. It's not as, you know, so it's interesting going through this process. Um, through, yeah. No, that's really interesting. So that, that, that director, though, then they passed on it because it was too rational. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's very very interesting to 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 hear that, and it is. I mean, I agree. It's very it's it's very rational, um, and you know, I'm a SETI and I subscribe to the uh, a lot of the elements of the philosophy, and it is like a very rational thing, and 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 it tends to attract those kinds of people. But you know, that's the thing. I'll say about the film Left Hand Path, which I've I've gotten to see it a couple of times now, um, is that it it. It is very rational, and and I think it is probably the best film portrayal of uh, SETI and ideas that really exists out there. Well, thank you. Know? you. So um, thank you. Yeah. So uh, definitely, definitely, I have to say, good job. <laughs> that actually means quite a bit because I spent a lot of time in the research. Like, of course, James in the in the pre-production and, and research stage. Um, but in the editing stage, I was really, really careful because I wanted to make sure that, A, that I didn't put the wrong image in the wrong spot, and there's a couple little Easter eggs in there, and it's all based on what I learned through James and through the research I did. I really wanted to make sure that it was a fair representation um, and that I, I wasn't throwing any bias into it, that I wasn't coming at it. So I, when I was looking online for projects that of similar nature, they're all... 
all of the documentaries I saw kind of side-eyed the subject. So, oh, here's the Luciferian. Yeah, weirdo, huh? You know, so, or here's this person and, and um, this is what they do, but the whole thing would be kind of a joke or, you know, the director wouldn't take them seriously or, you know, would have to show the other side as if there's another, you know what I mean? So I felt that there was not anything fair out there, right. honestly. I mean, there might be. I mean, I didn't, you know, I haven't seen every single film in the world, but I, I just thought that those were all very somewhat disrespectful. So I attempted to not do that. Right. No, I, you absolutely, absolutely did not do that. You absolutely uh, went uh, very, very much the high objective road um, with it. And I mean, projects, projects like this are, 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 are plagued, or I guess I would say opportunities for, for film portrayal of people who follow these ideas are plagued by interests that are, um, that don't want it to be rational, that want it to be like kind of crazy and sensational, or they just want to condemn it. They just want to, you know, paint it in the worst light possible and use it as like a, you know, a scare propaganda, basically. Well, so, yeah. I mean, it's just so refreshing to, to see yours. Um, and, and another thing about the film that I really liked is the way um, you in, incorporate his artwork into the storyline of it, which is very much, I mean, it, it's, it, it, it makes a commentary on the idea that um, SETI and practice is a creative act itself, you know? Yeah, yeah definitely. And that was um, his form of expression. And, you, you know, I would be, you know, it would be a sad film not to include his art because, oh my God, his art was amazing. And, you know, there's a great story and it didn't end up in the cut, but he ended up, the reason he started carving was um, at the end of his um, um, owning the bookstore, he knew he had to sell the bookstore and, and move on. Um, this guy owed him a bunch of money. And so, um, but he couldn't pay, pay James. And so instead he gave James this big chunk of mammoth ivory. And so James had this mammoth ivory and he's looking and he's like, you know what? fuck it, I'm going to become a carver. And so he took that and sort of went on his way and learned how to sort of self-taught, but he also did some some work with some um, Inuit carvers up in the high north and learned what he could and and just made these beautiful things, like these, these amazing sculptures. I actually own one, oh. and I'm really happy that I have, have that because it's just this piece that, the beautiful thing about stone and, um, and bone and this type of um, material is that it's going to last. Mm -hmm. It's going to have this somewhat of an immortality, at least for, you know, within the way humans' lifespans are. That, that piece I have of his is going to last longer than the paintings I own and things like that. So I just love that. Um, bits of him are out there, and they're just going to last forever and ever. Mm -hmm. So, well, yeah. And he's so talented. Like, he had an, um, just a natural, innate talent, um, an ability to um, render an image out of, whatever it is he was working with. I don't think I saw a piece of his art that I didn't like, didn't find something beautiful resonating in it. So, yeah. Yeah, no, his artwork, I feel his artwork is, is just a wonderful synthesis of, uh, you know, it, it, ha it has sort of that raw desire of, uh, you know, black magic and the left-hand path sort of like fused with the, uh, the the rawness and the visceralness of like the 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 natural environment that he arose in in the Yukon. So it's like so so many of his works are just they're real like you know they just have this um, abrasiveness 
uh, to them that really reflects that um, that sort of feeling. Um, I yeah. got a couple of things. So he made um, for um, the esoteric order of Beelzebub, which is an order of the uh, Temple of Set that I'm involved with. He designed yeah. and, and physically made the uh, medallions, um, specialized medallions for us, which yeah. um, I, I don't have one here right now. I'd show it to you, but it's... Um, I know what I know what it looks like. You know what I'm talking about, yeah. And so he made them, for everyone who wanted one. He made one unique, like slightly different. Like each one is like slightly different. And um, those who got them from him are are very fortunate that they they have them now. But again, it's just that 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 visceralness, you know, that ruggedness of how it's like put together. And it's and it's sharp, you know. It's like a really sharp like thing. It's like it could be painful if you slept on it. You don't want to sleep on it because you know you might cut yourself in the middle of the night because it's pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like... yeah. <laughs> yeah, you want to wear those carefully. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. No, totally. Uh, but the other thing about James is that he does have that. You know, he's a rugged mountain man. Like, you know, he said. He's like, I could, you know, go out, live in the bush, you know, zipper an animal, like nobody's business. Like he's okay on his own. Um, but he actually had a very delicate and also very humorous side that, that if you didn't know him and you only knew of his um, reputation, um, when you encountered that, you'd be like, whoa, night and day, right? Because he's so funny. Like mm -hmm. he was so funny. I don't think I ever had a conversation with him where at least one point of the conversation something humorous passed between us and I would laugh out loud from my gut. Um, he just had this way about him that, you know, he could be really rough and really like, you know, but then, but then there's that, that funny side where he could just pull something out and just make you laugh. And if you thought that you were in a, you were sad or like, you know, he would pull you back. And so I just love that about him. Yeah. You know, I really miss, you know, driving past where he lived every time I drive past there. Because um, I was doing work with another filmmaker in the same area, I just, you know, have this re like regret, like ah, it's too bad James isn't. Because if he was in after this meeting, I would pop by his house and drop in and uh -huh. have a conversation. I would, you know, go and talk to James just like I did as a teenager. I was like, yeah. I almost all the film talking to James, but that's more personal between like the way I saw him, uh -huh. you know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um. What has the response been like with the film? I know you did the, you had this film festival, and I've seen a couple of I, I think I saw a, a, a private link that was shared once, and then mm -hmm. um, I saw it played at a uh, gathering in Prague last yeah. year. Um, I, what, what, what has it been like? What's the response been like? What have you been in England? Well, it's, it's interesting. Um, Every time I screen it, I have like a section of the audience that comes to me afterwards and talks about how that's how I feel about things or I've been looking into this stuff and can you give me direction and they want me to give them sort of advice on, um, you know, magical advice or, you know, um, uh, that sort of thing where I'm like, you know, actually here are some <laughs> website addresses. This is the resource. I just made the film. But, um, but a lot of people are getting inspired and they get, they get excited um, but then a lot of people are really freaked out by it, mm -hmm. like so freaked out. Um, and 
there's nothing scary in it. Um, I did have one, <laughs> submitted it to this festival in Spain that had this write-up that sounded like, oh, this film's perfect for that festival. You know, it's like for filmmakers doing independent works that are outside the norm. So I submitted it, and then a few weeks later, I started getting, like, harassed online by these random people telling me how I'm, you know, in, uh, I don't know, there's some really funny quotes I can't pull off the top of my head right now, but basically that I'm going to be hurting juvenile, like, youth with my work and um, and that, you know, I'm inviting Satan in or something like that. And uh, it was just pretty awful, and I was like, God, I, you know, I didn't, well, I, I was warned that it could happen, but I didn't really expect it. But I found out later on, it was the director of the film festival who had sent his staff to attack me because they were very Catholic ah. and were offended that I had sent my film for consideration into the festival, even though it didn't say anywhere on on their description that it was like, you know, we only like, you know, Christian normative you know, whatever, Abrahamic religious style films. And if your film falls outside of that, then you're going to attack you. Like, so that was pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, I find when I have an audience, the audience likes it. The finding the audience in the mainstream has been difficult. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's okay because I think what I ended up, like I was thinking about the project and I realized I didn't really make this project necessarily for the mainstream. I made it accessible for the mainstream, but I actually made it for people on the path, mm-hmm. regardless if they were Setians or um, some other um, um, some other group that they're following, or individuals, um, or for people who maybe have no idea about any path, but are just you know just like pretty artwork, you know. <laughs> so I made it for people like that, and and that's okay. I mean, it's I'm happy that the audience is it's very it's. Not as large, but it's very receptive and very exciting. Excited about it, which is nice. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So this is another point about the film that I'll that I will note is that there is no like um, recruitment f- aspect to it. This yeah. isn't like watching a, uh, a like a Scientology, you know, a short Scientology film or a Latter Day Saints or you know anything like that. There's no recruitment aspect. There's no hey, this guy's in this religion and you need to join that religion right away. No, it's just, this is a story about an individual who has found, you know, who, who found some ideas and, and is applying those ideas in a certain way in his life, but then his own life and his own creativity is, is like welling up and coloring all of this also. So it's, uh, it would be, in, I think, informative to someone who just has no clue about the left-hand path or no, no background or no, no, uh, nothing to compare this to. Um, I think someone like that would, would find it um, informative and, and, and revealing, yet no one would feel like threatened that they're, you know, that they're, you know, being, uh, you know, that it has like this recruitment aspect to it. And I think that's a, I think that's a good thing for, for the film because that's Mm -hmm. going to allow it to go that much further. Um, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. Like that's, uh, that would be kind of, I think if I did that would be somewhat just honest, you and then it would fall outside of what I was trying to accomplish, which is a documentary more so than a, like a, an industrial promotional video or that sort of thing. I wouldn't ever want to uh, be part of a project that had that element to it because I didn't find that when I did any, my research in the temple, my research with um, with uh, a lot of the, uh, the the authors that James had in his in his shelves. So I'd see what he had and then I'd read their books or I'd, I'd research and stuff, and I didn't find any of that 
kind of like um, cult cult style um, uh, recruitment or or um, you know like you're drinking the Kool-Aid to belong to this group. Like I found that it was quite interesting. The way he described it was it's like a university where um, you come in and you take a couple courses and you join some special interest groups and you have a good time, you learn stuff. And if you want to continue on and work in the administration, you can. Um, if you want to continue on and become a professor, you can. But you could also just continue on with your life and take what you've learned and apply it to yourself mm-hmm. as an individual. So that's what I really appreciate about that because it was really up to the individual to decide what they want to do with it. And then, and that, and if it was anything other than that, then it would be a big fat lie, I think, right. for what the philosophy is. If they were trying to do anything other than that, then you're something else. You're not, you know, you're not, uh, I don't think it would be a, a left-hand path right. situation. Be more along the lines of, uh, I don't know, a, an Abrahamic religion, possibly. Well, yeah. I mean, to me, that's uh, that, that's how I uh, conceive of the term uh, right-hand path, is that it involves uh, coercion. There's a coercive aspect to it. There's like a force aspect. There's like a... Uh, a you know, there's a, a standard for behavior that needs to be adhered to by everyone who is involved in it, and everyone should be involved in it. Um, is kind of the idea behind it. Whereas, like to me, the left-hand path is really it 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 it, it refers to an individual pursuit, and it's a mm-hmm. path. It's a path in, in in the sense that people like um, that that it's active. It's not just doing. It's not the same thing as just doing whatever in your life, you know, and just you know whatever. No, it's not that. It's an actual path. It's focused. It's trying to achieve something in a in a spiritual sense or in a in an awareness kind of sense, and 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 there's an exchange with other people that are trying to do that. Um, but it's a voluntary. It's a voluntary effort. You know, it's a voluntary personal effort to pursue this path, and it's a voluntary effort to exchange uh, with other people that are doing it. And there's no um, coercive aspect at all. And this, I mean, this all comes, in my opinion, this all comes through on your film too. Just the mm-hmm. con- the context of the film is like one, it's, it's one guy, you know, it's one individual talking about his experience of how he did this. It's not a, a portrait of a group, right? Where you're, you know, when they come in with cameras and they like film like a religious group, you know, comes off yeah. like much differently. Um, it, it all becomes about us, we, and, and, and whatnot. So um, the way your film represents that, I think it, I mean, this is why it's, it, it, it just totally grooves with the whole concept of left hand path. And that's the name of the name of the movie too. So it fits right in. Well, yeah. And I think I, when I put that name, I was thinking, am I being bold to use that because it's such a big term It can encompass a lot of different organizations, but I did that on purpose to introduce the concept of left hand path to a mainstream audience. Because it's something that people don't know about. They don't, you know, you're a regular mainstream individual who is likely, well, maybe a little religious or has grown, raised a bit, but they don't practice or atheist. They don't necessarily know that there is this this grouping or there, there are different ways of thinking about these sorts of things and there's organizations out there. So I thought naming it that way would at least give people an idea of something to look up and, mm-hmm. and possibly more about if they were interested. You know, it's really... Because this is this is all you know. This is about James himself and his belief system and what he did. So um, yeah. and so yeah, yeah. So I am just the control camera on his life. Yeah, yes. yeah. 
So where, um, when, when did you find out about that, that he was going to pass away? How did, how did that knowledge come to you? Was it like, yeah, tell me about that. Sure. Um, well, we filmed over the uh, solstice weekend, or sorry, it's not the weekend, it was just during a work week, but the solstice, um, 2017. And, uh, and then the day after it was a Friday and we had our party, like, um, we did some filming. You see, you see the, 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 um, the fire at the end or whatever. We did some filming and then we had a little party and then, and that was fine. And then he didn't feel very well the next day, but he attributed it to just, you know, the, the, um, all the stuff we were doing. And, um, and then, um, it was a month after that, that he got diagnosed um, mm-hmm. with, with what he was diagnosed with. And, um, then he found out that it was, you know, it was terminal. And, um, and so, yeah. Um, and it was like, he said the day after he stopped, he felt bad and then he continued to feel bad and he had no energy. Mm-hmm. So we had captured him at the Zenith at the very, final moment she could possibly get him looking healthy and looking without all that energy that he he put out um while we filmed i mean we didn't have crazy long film days i think that's cruel to do unless you really really need to um i like keeping my days you know regular work days um maybe up to 10 hours the most but um yeah so we weren't going too nuts in terms of that but uh but yeah he it was the zenith um so these are the last kind of, and it is true. It's like the last moments that he looked healthy yeah. and was healthy. You know, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think some there's some alignment or some sort of long desire playing out um, in the whole making of this project. The whole way it came around because I'm not necessarily like very. Um, like I'm an outgoing person in small groups, but I'm not like, I, I need the spotlight on me all the time. And I was afraid of public speaking, but using this project idea to, to do the, to do the pitch thing and then winning the money, that was just really unusual for me to do that. And, um, and then, uh, yeah. And then years before getting the courage to ask James if he wanted to be part of this project. So I wasn't sure how he'd react. And, and then he was really positive. It was like the opposite of what I expected. Um, so all of these things sort of just came together um, and uh, happened over time. Yeah. And then um, the reason we chose this for the, uh, that weekend is it was the actual 42nd anniversary of the Temple set. So um, in 1975, that week, those two days, Michael Aquino had um, invoked the Dark Prince. Uh-huh. Um, and what we wanted to do was have James make a piece of art or jewelry or something over the, the 42nd anniversary of that event. Um, to be part of so that we could tie in his art and his religion um, into the story. And so that was sort of the premise of that. It was also the only time I could get my camera guy and my sound guy um, because my camera guy was working on another project. And so, so he's like, yeah, I'm good on those two days. I'm like, are those three days? And that was great. So I could schedule him in. And so it was like one of those things where the stars just align. So everyone's available. And um, yeah, that was the, yeah, that was pretty intense. It was really, uh, really intense to realize that, oh, my God, yeah. this is, you know. Um, but he got to see it. You know, he saw every single cut I did. I uh-huh. did, did the assembly. I showed him the assembly. I did the rough cut. I showed him the rough cut. Got to the fine cut. And he would give me feedback um, if I needed it. But he was mostly very keen. He's like, it's your, it's your project, Jessica. You can do with it whatever you want. Well, actually, he said, you can do whatever the F you want to do. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, so, no, it's, it's all very magical, like how it all, like, I mean, hearing you tell the revealed some of the details about this just, you know, fits right in because where I'm, where I'm at looking at it all from a distance, it's all clearly pretty, pretty, pretty magical and a lot of like yeah. synchronicity going on with it. And, you know, when, one thing you mentioned about him, about how his, um, outgoingness and his attitude was that when he, um, you know, because I, when I found out that, you know, he was, uh, you know, had, had cancer and he was going to pass away. And then I spoke to him and we ended up doing an interview on the podcast and everything. And, and it, all, all those times when I spoke to him throughout all that, all the right, you know, right up to the very end, he was so positive. He was yeah. so confident. He was just so empowered. And I mean, that's, that's part of it too. Um, the way I feel the way people uh, carry themselves through these intense crises like that. Um, yeah. say so much. Well, I, I don't know if crisis is the right word, but you know what I mean? Something, I mean, it's pretty heavy, right? And to carry yeah. yourself through that, um, with, with that sort of, uh, courage and, and, and honesty and just truthfulness about it. You know, he's just honest about the fact, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to die and I'm ready. I'm ready to go. You know, it's like, we're, we're going to do this. And, and that's just so inspiring. And, um, you know, I, I I can't help it. Every time I see the film, I can't help but think of it in, in, in terms of that. It's like this film is like, it, it, it's carrying forth this like kind of message. It's carrying forth like his kind of attitude on into it. So, so let me ask you this then. What kind of, um, what kind of change do you, do you hope that the film brings some kind of change out there? Well, it sort of already has. And at least in, in my home channel, which although honestly Whitehorse is a really great place to live because we're open minded, you know, um, you know, you're still gonna have people who aren't, but for the most part, I think on average it's a lot more open minded than other parts of the world, other parts of Canada. It's just a weird we are in the north, I think it's because it's a small population, you're kinda of stuck with everybody, so you sort of have to let everyone's picadellos and, and, and whatever. Um personality traits and stuff, you just have to accept it because you don't have that much choice. Um, so it's sort of ingrained. Um, Whitehurst is open-minded. We did, um, for example, um, we pitched an art show. I was involved in a group show recently um, uh, about shadow work. It's called What We Become in the Shadows. And I was working with Claire uh, Strauss. She did ceramics. Uh, Joshua Sage, he did uh, some carving. And Bianca Martin, who was a student of James, and she did some ceramics and some carving and some um, lithographs and other um, items. And we put together a group show in January. And part of it, we dedicated a quarter to James, where I built a little TV transmitter analog station out of a trunk and sent the signal up through his massive inverted Sevian pentagram um, so that it would hit these 60s style television sets that didn't have any other input. So you'd be like, how is signal getting in there? Um, Seriously sent this like um, loose uh, antenna right up the pentagram. It was hilarious. So downtown Whitehorse in this massive art show, we have this like, you know, this little corner with this huge pentagram and altar. And um, and then on the set was this, the interview I had originally done with James in 2013, uh, where it's just sort of a locked off camera and he's just talking 
to me, it's like we're having, so you're sitting and talking to James. It's like you're sitting in his place because you're in his fugly chair. And across the this, this chair from you is this old TV set. And there's James telling you all about everything. Um, oh. And so that was an installation we did as part of the show. And it went over so well. Like our <laughs> uh, waiters loved it. Um, people were saying it was like the best art show they'd seen at the Arts Underground Space in a long time they felt as a group show we really tied everything together and we had all of these great compliments and so it was really nice to to do something like that to honor james um yeah. in such a because he was an artist he was part of the arts community as well and yeah. and yeah so, so it's gone um so in a sense it kind of because it's accessible and anyone watching it without an idea of um Sadianism, uh, left-hand paths um religious religions and philosophies um, you know, even uh, Church of Satan stuff, without any knowledge of it, go they go, whoa, whoa, what is this? And then they often will look it up and um, and then go, wait a minute, I thought it was this thing. And then it sort of opens their minds, even just a little bit. So I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to kind of change the narrative that um, that's sort of plagued anyone that's not um, practicing a Christian religion. Um, I mean, it's just, yeah, so that's that's one thing I like about it. But that art show, it was so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. Um, I think James would have really appreciated uh, the fact that I had um, sent these, um, sent the video signal to the television sets via very high frequency analog waves. So if you're sitting there, the kind of like, waves are like kind of going through you. So James is sort of like going through you. <laughs> that was the idea. Well, I don't know if that really, that was my, like, you know, you have these concepts and then, your execution you're like hmm but um but yeah people really enjoyed it so that was fun yeah picking up picking up kirby vibrations mm-hmm. yeah and so we do have this extra footage james that's pretty amazing even though it's not like in any kind of cinematic sense like piece of cinema it's just an excellent interview and uh i will be putting it on a dvd so i will have a dvd version okay. with all these stuff yeah um, at some point. Well, I'm, I'm working on it to have it finished for um, for March, um, and then I'll I'll figure out how I'm going to roll that out later on. But uh, I think a lot of people would really want to see this, especially if you're if you're into um, well, if you're if you knew James, yes, and if you're into the same philosophy as he is, then yes as well, because he's a he's a powerhouse. So uh, I wonder if I've seen some of this. Is this where is it uh, black and white? Yeah. Okay, and he's just kind of sitting there talking and. I pulled a segment out for uh, for one of the screenings because I wanted to share. I wanted to give a gift to um, to people so that they could see, um, yeah, you know, get a, a sense of a, a piece of the story that they might not have known from yeah. his mouth. Which, yeah. Awesome. So yeah. that's so that's your net. So then is that is is that going to eventually be a released uh, film mm-hmm. also? Yeah, that one I'm going to be putting on the DVD as a bonus. Um, so you'll the DVD is close to being finished um and then i'm going to add that the reason i'm a little behind is um part of it is was was the year after uh, james passed away it was difficult for me to figure out like work on promoting a film about him felt wrong um i felt like they needed to leave some space so aside from sending it to certain festivals that are far away um i wanted to kind of um have a smaller like not do too much until after a year for some reason that just felt right to me um out of respect for james and uh, his family yeah um and then they're like well why aren't you doing anything? <laughs> like well because 
I don't feel right. So I have to feel, and I think that's part of it. It's just, um, I've been doing these things based on my own instinct. And so if this is what I was meant to do it this way, then I think that I was meant to be a little delayed in um, putting this stuff together. So, yeah, but I'll be getting it out there. Um, and then I might release some stuff online, but I'll, I'll just take a look at it. I kind of like it being part of people's collections and not being part of the interwebs. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see where I where I go. And I always consult with his partner and with his family before I do any kind of um, anything with a project. Um, even though James said I could do whatever I wanted, um, I do that out of respect because you know it's uh, his family and uh, they're awesome people, and I want them to be on board with yeah. with what I do with this project. Absolutely. So yeah. that was that was going to be my other question then. So there is plans to eventually have a DVD, uh, so yeah. people can can purchase this. Yeah, yeah, and uh, March 15th is my, my deadline for, I'll have a kind of a limited run then, and we'll see what the interest is, and then I might get a bigger run. Okay. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I know, I'm looking forward to, to getting it out there more, and um, and sharing, because that's what James wanted, you know, he wanted, the reason he wanted to do this project is he wanted to get out there, he wanted to change Canada, you know, he was really, he had big plans, and uh if I can help him in any small way with what I did with him in the project, then I'm going to help him do that because I just think his uh, his whole approach is just nice and it, um, no matter how you feel, no matter what religious belief you have or philosophy you follow, um, what he talks about is, I think, kind of universal, that anyone can get something out of it. Um, and for me, just as a someone who's really big on the individual, like, it's just, I found, I always found him reassuring. And it's like, yeah, awesome. It's okay to be yourself. It's okay to refine who you are moving forward in your life. So, yeah, he, yeah it's pretty awesome. So, did you ever, have you ever seen that movie Big Fish? It's like uh, a, long a Tim, Tim Burton film. Yeah. Where it's like about, it's about this guy and his father he's going his father passed away and he's going to his father's funeral or and he's like remembering his his father used to tell all these stories you know and he he thought yeah you're he he was just lying and making up like all this bullshit and then his father finally dies and he like goes to the funeral and there's like hundreds of people at the funeral and they're all people from the stories that he yes. was telling right that uh, he has you know stories about weird twins and you know and midgets and you know crazy people and stuff like that uh, like like Adam's family, you know, type characters and stuff. And it's like I just I I get this same feeling with uh with Kirby because I mean he told story like all these things like when you talk about the bookstore, you talk about things at Whitehorse, and it's like you know I heard stories about these things, right? I heard stories about them for for years, and they're kind of like a mythology. And then now he's gone, and now all these all these people are like arising, you know, are coming, you know, appearing with this uh with their testimonies about how no just it, it was all it's all true he lived in this little house <laughs> he had a huge library he had a bookstore it's all true so it's like yeah. uh it's weird yeah he was a chef he actually cooked a meal for our, our prime minister back really? in the day yeah wow. yeah yeah but the um, current the current prime minister no no this is like three three okay. prime ministers back okay but um but yeah, no, he's yeah, he's done. He did a lot of stuff. Wow. Uh, yeah, he definitely uh, got around. Yeah, no, he he had a lot of and he had a lot of friends. You know, lots of people, um, 
loved and admired him in our town. And of course, everywhere else, you know, because I've been meeting people that he's known through this project. So kind of the reverse. And it's like, oh, this is great. So I met this one guy whose piece of art I filmed in the project. So I got to talk to him and this other person. And so it's been kind of fun, too, um, because of the stories he would tell me when I get to meet the people behind those. Wow. Or, yeah. Or the people finally introduce themselves because they might not have been named by name. They might have been just part of, you know. Anyway, but, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then you're at you're going to be at the Black Flame PDX Festival in Portland, right? In April. Yes, I am. Yeah. And we're going to be screening these films there. Yes, I'm going to screen the film and uh, hopefully a couple other little pieces to tie into it. So some additional material that you might not have seen. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If awesome. uh, if I have time, yeah, I will definitely do that. Um. I'm looking forward to, forward to uh, screening it again to another audience that I know will be appreciative of the content. That's awesome. So I got to yeah. ask you, and I got to ask you this. So who's your, as a filmmaker, and it, so not a lot of people know this, but uh, when I was at, when I went to college, I took a minor in film studies and, and I made a little independent film and stuff like that. Um, and there was a point in my life where almost I applied for jobs to get uh, uh, internships in Hollywood at different Hollywood studios. And while I was like doing in this process of doing, and this is pre-internet, so it's like you had to like you know, send letters out through the mail and wait to hear back and everything. And and uh, then I got inter I got interested in other things and and I went a different direction. There's one point in my life where I almost went that direction, but. Um, I, 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 I get so interested in hearing the, the, the mechanics about how behind how these things are made and what, mm -hmm. um, what, what the vision is behind them is always a great interest. So I wanted to ask then, who is, who is your favorite director? You know, I used to say Gus Van Sant back in the day and still one of my favorite from back in the day, but I don't really have one. I like so many different films and directors and styles that um like uh, yeah um well one of my i could say my favorite canadian filmmaker because his films are so freaking weird and i got to meet him once and he's also freaking weird this guy madden um experimental film like just so odd um and fantastic that you you watch his films and you're like what did i just watch wow <laughs> yeah um, yeah, so Guy Madden would be up there for sure, but I wouldn't say he's like my absolute, absolute favorite. Um, but yeah, I have so many favorites. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, who's your favorite? So I'm somewhere between Stanley Kubrick, John Carpenter, and uh, John Houston. John Houston. Oh, I like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like old films. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think there's any good movies coming out anymore. I think it's like, it's just, it's, it's fucking over with Hollywood. You know, they just, they can't do it anymore. The machine just can't function. They can't come up with new, new stuff anymore. They make it. I hate, I hate superheroes. In the nineties, I was like the, probably the biggest fan of the X-Men. I have all yeah. these X-Men comics. Now it makes me sick. I don't even, I haven't even seen the last few X-Men movies. I just, I don't even care anymore. It's like CGI has destroyed it, you know? It's just ridiculous. So more and more I find myself going back, you know, to yeah. the, uh, uh, you know, pre, 
pre-70s, really. I feel like the 70s era, they got really obsessed with like realism and stuff like that. Um, but there's some great, you know, Kubrick stuff that comes out during the 70s. But really, like I like going back to the 40s, 50s, 30s, like that kind of era, like noir film. Um, oh, I like that. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I like, I can, I, I agree with you, but what's really funny that you mentioned superheroes is one of the scenes that I'm uh, putting together for the uh, DVD is a scene where James is working on this ring and it's his own version of the Punisher. And it's just like the most wicked, heaviest, gruesome Punisher skull ever. Um, Whoa. Uh, yeah, he loves the Punisher. Um, and he has this great story around it. So yeah, and that was a piece I did in 2014 because it was, like testing the waters, like how does he, how is James going to be on camera when I'm filming in? Can he like work on stuff and talk at the same time? Because some people can't, right? Some people like me will talk with their hands and they can't actually do work. Oh no, but he can, he can do both. So, um, so I shot this little scene and it was great. Awesome. And I used it in my pitch reel later on. So when yeah. I was pitching the project, yeah, yeah. So Excellent. he loved the Punisher, but he liked the version with um with uh, Dolph Lundgren. That was his favorite. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, just kind of funny because, yeah, but, you know, there you go. Yeah. You know, just the more, the more these superhero movies come out, the more I have an appreciation for Christopher Reeve and the 1970s version of Superman. I think that's just probably the best, like, you know, I, I go back and watch that now and I'm like, this is like so good. This is so powerful. They just, yeah. they can't do it anymore. They can't do it anymore. Everything's so bam, bam, and just, you know. Uh, so yeah. much razzmatazz and, and CGI craziness in it that I just I can't even, I just can't follow it. So yeah, well, there's a local festivals for independent films. So that's where you're gonna find the stories you're looking for. Uh -huh. You know, you're gonna find them in Hollywood. You might find one or two in Hollywood here and there, but you're mostly gonna find them at those small festivals right. in your hometown. Made by you know small budgets but good acting. Yeah, um, these unknown filmmakers whose stories are just as relevant or just as important to see. So I always encourage people to do that, go and check something out that you wouldn't normally see because you might yeah. be surprised. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So do you, do you consider yourself uh, exclusively like, like a documentarian or are you, do you do, can you do narrative films? Do you look forward to doing that or have you done them or anything like that? You know what? I like uh, I like documentary, um, and I think documentary is my style. Uh -huh. I'm not against doing a narrative, uh -huh. uh, but the narrative that I've done was a mock documentary. So, you know, I think I'm really just in the documentary realm. But I, I like experimental, so I'm looking at other ways of doing experimental that are not just interesting to other film experimental filmmakers, but right. experimental films that are accessible to the public because. You go and see one, and you're like, "Yeah, I can see people getting super irritated right now." And because right. <laughs> I'm watching it, and I'm looking for certain things, but other people are like, "Jessica, why do you like this?" So I'm like, "I don't know," because I'm weird. But um, yeah, so, so experimental and documentary for sure. Those are kind of what I just sort of what where I'm where I seem to go and what I want to do. Um, and I want to explore more um, in this realm because I think this is a story or this is an area that's not really explored explored properly. And it'd be nice to kind of do more work um, that talks about alternative ways of living, alternative ways of thinking um, that have existed and and that, you know, get get hammered on um, quite a bit by uh, powers that be and why. Um, 
Yeah. You know, there was a time in, with with documentary where the the that the angle was to keep it kind of clinical and kind of removed from it. Like you're kind of like, you know, pretend like, like the camera's not really here and, and, you know, you know, filming, filming people in their natural habitat as it were. And one thing I think that, um, left hand path does is that it gives you a feeling for it at the same time. Right. It's like, you're not clinically like removed from it. Like, you know, here's, here's the study and here's what he does. No, it's like you're kind of in the mode. It kind of gets you the feeling of it um, and, the, you know, I mean, everything about it, the color and the design and the, um, you know, composition and everything gets you in the in the feel in the feeling of like being there with it. And that's like a really effective way of of presenting ideas like this that a lot of people are probably not familiar with. And as well, I mean, you see the way it, it, it shows Kirby, like, I, I think there's a scene where he's like making coffee or something like that, you know? So it's like, it, it's really clear. This is also a human being, right? This is not some, you know, Azriel, the demon of, of darkness in his <laughs> cavern, you know, communicating to you psychically from somewhere. No, this is like a real person. This is a real guy. This is his life. And his life is this artwork and it's this and it's this dark aesthetic and it's this philosophy and it's this uh this act of creation that is just you know uh threaded throughout it yeah that's exactly right yeah james and his dark aesthetic um, um and then sometimes when you come over and he's wearing these like you know he's but then he's wearing these like really loud clothes that just like don't fit the yeah. environment so much fun <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He had, uh, oh, oh, I miss him. I yeah. miss him a lot. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Yeah. Well, yeah, we really well, we just really lost, um, just somebody who I, I think is extremely, is extremely powerful and, uh, um, had a lot to give the world and, as long as the world was receptive to it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that you are um, facilitating the continuance of that. I mean, what you're doing with this film is, 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 is allowing that to continue uh, in, in, in some sense, the uh, vibrations that he's created, the ideas, the presence of, 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 of Kirby is still, you know, it's it's vibrating out there into the into the world, and and you're helping to uh, facilitate that and make that happen. So I think that's a a good. Thank you. Thank you very much.